Hey everyone, hope you're all doing great. This is the first time that I'm trying to use audio format within the Northstar. So we'd love to hear your thoughts, feedback, suggestions on your experience listening to me versus reading the newsletter. In this edition, I'm going to talk about a book that I've recently read. It is called 90% of Everything and it's written by Rose George. It sheds light on shipping, the invisible industry that puts clothes on our backs and food on our tables and literally brings 90% of our goods to us. All right, so on to the book. It is an incredible book that surprised me to the core with so many facts about the shipping industry that I knew absolutely nothing about. Some of these realities are hard to digest, many are plain tragic, and a few just mind-blowing. I hope you would have learned something new by the time you finish listening to me. Let's start with just understanding how big the industry is. At this very moment, there are more than 100,000 ships at sea carrying all the solids, liquids, and gases that you need to live. The big ships can actually carry almost 15,000 of the container boxes that you can see in the book's cover image. The book is called 90% of Everything for the simple reason that at this very point, if you look around yourself, 90% of everything that you see has reached you through a ship. The clothes that you're wearing, the device that you have in your hands, shoes, furniture, pretty much everything. All right. So let's learn about the shipping industry. The industry in itself is defined by the culture of flags of convenience. To understand this, here's a quick history lesson taken from the book with slight modifications. In the early 1920s, American cruise lines wanted to serve alcohol on their ships, but it was the time of prohibition. These ships flew a US flag, and according to maritime laws, they were governed by the US no matter where they sailed. So the cruise lines decided to turn their ships into Panamanian vessels registered in a small country called Panama. They were still American ships run by American companies and employees, but they were registered in Panama. After the Second World War, Greeks and Italians bought ships that had been built for the war and were now surplus. They realized that they could avoid taxes, crew salary standards, and training union requirements by flagging their ships out. So they registered their ships in Panama, or Liberia, or Honduras, or Costa Rica. These countries, in time, set up online registries, and selling flags became a business through the registries. Now, 68% of ships fly a flag that doesn't belong to the country their owner is from or resident in. Those American, then Panamanian cruise ships began a practice that has changed international shipping dramatically. If you flag your ship out, you'll be able to register in any nation you please despite not being a citizen. You can do this quickly and easily, sometimes within 24 hours and by email. You can choose your crew from anywhere, pay lower taxes, and enjoy fewer labor restrictions or pesky union diktats. All these things are the accepted advantages of a flag of convenience, and they add up to be an unbeatably good deal for ship owners in a competitive industry. Flag of convenience is great for the ship owners and the shipping companies, but terrible for the men and women who work for these companies and risk their lives on the sea. The extent to which seafaring may appear to be a good life starts and ends at the perk of being on land for six months. When one is at the sea, they are pretty much at the mercy of the captain of the ship. When a Filipino seaman is at the sea in international waters on a Panamanian ship owned by a German company and run by a British captain, hurling boxes between Russia and South Africa, which government or body is going to represent or fight for him if he goes missing? The answer to that is no one. These seamen have no police, doctors, lawyers, or even internet to stay connected with the world. Only 12% of ship crew have freely available internet access at sea. 
If the crew doesn't get paid by the company, there isn't a whole lot that the crew members can do. Shipping and the crews are invisible. The world doesn't know about them and neither does it care enough about these men and women who spend months away from their families. Here's something that will show you how apathetic the world is towards its sea men and women. When 33 Chilean miners were trapped underground for 69 days in 2010, there was a media frenzy. 1500 journalists went to Chile and even now, the BBC News website maintains a special page on their drama, long after the conclusion. On the other end, when the 24 men on a ship called MV Iceberg held captive for a thousand days, almost three years, they were given no special page and nothing much more than silence and disregard. 2,000 seafarers die at sea every year. Even now, with all the modern instruments, more than two ships are lost every week. That is just mind-blowing. It wasn't a book that I could devour over a weekend. The dry and tragic nature of it slowed me down over several weeks, but I would highly recommend the book if the few things that I have told you got you interested. By the way, I haven't even covered anything about the pirates, sharks, whales, shipwrecks, voyages, ports, merchant navy, and rescue missions that the book touches on. Alright, that's it for now. Looking forward to hearing your feedback or thoughts on the audio. By the way, the big announcement that I was hoping to share this month got delayed a bit. I have my fingers crossed for next month. Thanks. Bye.